0: This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back, I'm Matt Jones and today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome John Manfredi. John, it's great to have you on
1: the show. Hey, nice talking to you, Matt.
0: Uh, what would you like the audience to know about yourself?
1: Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm relatively new to this space. Uh, though I've, I've had a lifeline, uh, lifetime of working in the architectural world, I've uh, haven't really participated on the on the investment side, um, besides besides a small condo that I own uh, as a rental. But uh, but now I've moved into the uh, commercial real estate space uh, for the past three years, and uh, it's been a quite a ride. So how did you get started with real estate investing uh,
0: three years ago with uh, commercial real estate?
1: Uh, what had happened was during the time I uh, I found myself unemployed thanks to COVID, <laughs> like, like most people. Uh, obviously, that problem was resolved quickly thereafter because there was a shortage of architects and I was being sought after for different positions. But uh, I decided to stay the course and remain gainfully unemployed and decide to pivot real estate investing which is something i I'd, I'd always uh liked to do i didn't have the bandwidth to do it now i had all of the freedom in the world my wife and i talked about it and thought this was the best course of action for me and my my time and um it's been uh it's been fun ride ever since excellent
0: and then with your current investments are you passive or active or a bit of both
1: well i've um uh, uh i took the first year for training the second year i i, I put a team together um, and uh, we are actually in the middle of, uh, of construction on one of our projects. Um, uh, several deals didn't pan out, didn't pencil. Well, uh, one deal we actually walked away from. Um, I'm still chasing multifamily value add deals, but it just so happens that this one project um, kind of uh, landed in our lap. It was initially a uh, a, a value add deal multiple properties in Des Moines. Uh, each of them had some kind of substantial structural problem with them that I saw day one when I visited the, the properties. Um, so we, we passed on it. And uh, several months later, we circled back and I decided to take a look at it from a, an architectural point of view, from a development point of view. And it turns out that, the, uh, that while it didn't work as a value-add deal, it worked tremendously as a teardown and new construction deal. So we decided to chase that and uh, we're about a month away from uh, getting in the ground. So was this like, our, our development. was this multiple lots that, uh, you
0: know, from different properties that you tore down and, and combining into a bigger property now, or, or you tell me how
1: it works? Um, initially, God, there were about six different properties scattered along uh, this main, um, uh, this main drive down the center of, of Des Moines. Um, there were no more than two miles apart from each other, from the the extremes. Um, The one that we liked that worked out uh, was a dilapidated 1960s um, ranch, uh, uh, six-unit apartment building, uh, one floor in the front, two floors in the rear because the site sloped down. So they put uh, garage spaces below the building. Used to have two additional uh, apartment units on the lower level, so they used to have eight. But because of some major water issues, they had to uh, remove those two units from the lower level, and um, and so that was sitting on about an acre of land. So it was this huge lot, and this this small six-unit building at the front of the of, of the site. Um. um you know, it wasn't worth our while to renovate it uh, based on the economics of the of the of the project. Um, so we tore down six and I wound up designing 16 units on the same lot because current zoning allows us to it was a, a medium density zoning. So it allowed us to up the number of units possible on the entire site. Um, and then we wound up uh, picking up a parking a parking lot. Which is uh, on another property adjacent to it that also was for sale, and so we realized that the parking lot was wasn't necessary for the two apartment buildings that we did not want to buy, and but we wanted the parking lot because we can put two more units on there. So ultimately, we we put 18 units on on the uh, the site. I mean, they are all owned by the same owner, um, but uh, they're all they're all you know, they're all obviously relatively close to each other.
0: Well it's certainly handy that you are an architect so it you know, grants you some expertise in designing those uh certainly um and uh so is that your primary l- role within your team is the uh, design uh, of the property?
1: No, I uh you know, I search for deals. Uh you know, I uh, I just got back from uh touring Cleveland and, and Columbus, Ohio. Um I'm frequently in in um Iowa. Um I've got a, a team, um, a group of us, are chasing deals in Atlanta. Um, so those are all primarily value add deals. But because of my particular background and uh, experience, you know, I'm not afraid to uh, demolish a building and uh, and and plan something, you know, better and uh, maximize the, uh, the amount of profit and. And the economics of a particular project. Um, so yeah, whether it be gut rehabs, complete teardowns, or value ideals, you know, I, we we look at them all. But me in particular, I can broaden the scope of what we chase by virtue of uh, my my construction and architecture background.
0: And this 18 unit, are you did you set it up as a joint venture or a syndication or or what?
1: Uh, initially. Uh, you know, there's five partners total, myself included, um, initially we were thinking about a joint venture deal, um, uh, but we have fewer units back then. And, uh, and as we, um, stress test the site for what's possible, um, and, uh, and then well, how many number of units we can maximize the, the, you know, the, the greatest and best use of the land uh we we jumped up to 18 units uh we got approval from the city uh, the preliminary approval process through the city but once we knew that and and we got some idea as to the cost of the development we decided the best route would be to uh uh syndicate it okay um so so two of us uh are located in des Moines, and they're used to uh real estate deals between themselves uh, on a on a JV side and not so much from a syndication space. My other partners and I are trained in the syndication space. And so uh, once we realized the scope and the scale of the project, uh, we figured that uh, syndication would be the best route for us to chase. Gotcha. And is it a 506B or 506C? Uh, it is a... Uh, it is a 506, um, not a B or C. It's a 506, uh, which is a little bizarre. <laughs> and, and honestly, um, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if we should have gone the 506 route. Uh, but a 506 has the same uh, rules as a 506B, except that we have to have agreements with each of the states that we're um, that we're drawing from uh, investors from, you know, as opposed to 506c is a blanket across the United States. It, it supersedes all local municipalities. A uh, 506, we have to have um, uh, the, the legal documents set up for each individual state we're pulling our investors from. Luckily, we only had a small pool of states where we're drawing investors from, so it made it relatively easy for us to go down that path. But if I would have done it again, Uh, Because I find those entanglements to be a bit of a hassle. I probably would have gone a 506B personally, Um, but uh, that's what we did. Gotcha. Are you still capital
0: raising for it or is it already locked up and and you're just doing the uh, development phase now?
1: No, they, um, yeah, we bought the land back in November of last year. Uh, We spent the summer evaluating it. Uh, You know, we're trying to basically kill the deal. Uh, It's a little bit of a different um process than than your typical value add value add deal, you typically go in there and you you evaluate a building and and you can t- you can tweak certain aspects of the deal to make it work. You renovate less or more, you you have a, a limit of how high you can reach rents and then sometimes you be more you're more aggressive or less aggressive. You can tweak the numbers to make a value add deal work. On a new construction deal you want to kill the deal. <laughs> and make sure that it does not work and if it survives all the stress tests we put on it then it's a good deal because we don't want to get into a deal where there's there's basically a hole around for a couple of years and we're not returning any money to our investors um throughout the that time frame so we want to make sh- darn well sure that this deal is, um is a, is a good deal so we spent the summer evaluating it and then we finally um Justified the purchase in November. We, we bought it ourselves between the five partners. February had a raise, all of three days, and then uh, we we capitalized the project, uh, and and that was it. Uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, although the raise was a, a three, we <laughs> really overraised over three days uh, because of our. Uh, Limited experience. Uh, we had written the documents to have a certain high limit for how much we were going to raise, and we exceeded that. And so we realized, that, well, we need to change the uh, the operating agreement to raise the limit of how much we're uh, 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 how much we're receiving from our investors because we thought that obviously coming to the bank with more funding would be ideal for us. We'd have more leverage over the bank in terms of rates and what have you. But that also meant that we had to rescind the offer from all of our investors, rewrite all the documents and send it out a second time and (laughs) hope that they're still willing and able to invest in our property after God, uh, two, three weeks of this legal haggles that we had to go through. It was a, a royal pain in the neck. Um, but obviously next time we'll, we will raise the bar of how high we want to raise. We were being very specific and, uh, we, we should we should have, we should have upped the ante. That's interesting because other
0: people I know when they're doing raise and they over raise, uh, they just put those extra people and the, the money on a waiting list. And so if somebody else, you know, drops out or for whatever reason, then the people on the waiting list then can have a chance to participate in that particular deal, Plus, also, when you overraise, then you also have a you know uh, the list of people who are are gonna you are gonna contact first when you, your next deal comes around because you know they're eager and and uh, got money to deploy.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had we had a, a fair amount of people interested in this deal. Obviously, we we uh, completed the raise within a week. We we had all the money we needed and then some. Um, but being that the you know during the time the uh, the Fed uh, kept raising rates. Uh, we had no idea what it was going to look like by the time we uh, we get funding for this deal through through a, through a bank. Um, you know, everything was in kind of a um, nothing was certain any longer in terms of lending. So we had a we had a, we were we were actually higher than our limit that we needed, but given the amount of people that are interested in this deal, we, we raised it even further, and we wanted to get all these fo- uh, folks in because. We know that the next deal that comes around, these these same folks are going to want to jump into the next property. Um and so that's that's how the way we we wound up, you know, organizing it. Uh but it was it was <laughs> it was a pretty nutty, uh nutty process for sure.
0: <laughs> Sounds like it. And then what is your plan once the building is is done uh being built? Are you going to sell it and give your investors their capital back or are you gonna hold on to it for
1: long-term cash flow? Uh our intentions are to sell it. Um, you know, we already have a, a, a involved. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sell them all. Um, obviously, because it's a development, you know, we do have the ability to uh, flip the script and 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 turn it into a rental or, or sell off the entire development to some other developer. Um, we've got multiple ways of uh, of uh, maximizing the profits on this deal but our intentions are still to to sell it uh sell them off at individual uh townhomes okay then uh you mentioned that when you're trying to
0: analyze a potential deal you try to kill it during the underwriting process so, you know to stress test it what are some of the things that you do to try to kill the deal
1: um it's not just the underwriting because uh, obviously we can put together uh, preliminary budgets uh from uh, materials costs, labor costs, and what have you. Um, you know, we had, we had you know, we, we almost looked at the numbers almost every every other month we were looking at the numbers because obviously cost of this uh, was uh, escalating, you know, in the fall of last year, uh, labor, there was labor shortage. Um, you know, we were constantly looking at those numbers to make sure that we were within the ballpark to make this deal uh, function, but, the one, the one thing that uh, we need to focus on on these kind of development projects is, is to have uh, a partnership with the city. You know, to, to go in it and uh, produce something that the city is uh, uh, can agree on. Luckily, Des Moines had a, a pre-approval process where we can present to all the city departments well ahead of time, be- before submitting anything official through official channels. Uh, They had a pre-approval process where they would review our project and give us an assessment. Um, And then we can then custom tailor our design development toward the needs of the city and then have a second round of conversation with the city. Again, nothing is in writing. Well, it's in writing. They they give us their feedback, but nothing, um, it's not a formal uh, entitlement process through city council or through planning and zoning. It's all very preliminary. But coming out of those conversations with the city, we realized that the, the unit count was going to be agreeable. In fact, you know, uh, they thought we can even go higher if we if we wanted to turn it into a rental property. Um, uh, so we knew that the unit count was going to be fine. We knew that we're satisfying all the different departments. We knew how to find tailor the, the, the site plan to uh, meet. Of the city's goals uh, to meet zoning with very little. Um, uh, we did have a variance; we were one unit over their unit count, and even that, uh, we felt that uh, we would be able to get some uh, approval when we when we went to a formal process. And uh, and the, all those steps happened over a several month period while we're looking at the budget numbers. Uh, while the the Fed is rate rate uh, raising <laughs> raising rates, while we're having conversation with banks about what lending might look like for this project, um, so yeah, we looked at it uh, any number of ways to make sure this deal was going to fly in pencil before we decided to 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 buy it because uh, it would have been a very expensive six unit property <laughs> when the rent never would have uh, equated to the uh, uh, the purchase price. Um, but uh, once we liked it and we knew that we had some um, uh, city officials behind us that were backing us on this deal, then we just had to move forward. That's great. You, know, yeah. you got to have that. You got to have that in place. You, you can't go in there blind. Um, um, you, you never know what kind of curveball the city would throw at you and and the whole the whole house comes crumbling down, uh, you know. Oh, for sure. So we got to make sure it works.
0: Yeah, I think when you're you're trying to analyze properties and, and put in offers, you really want to see what the highest and best use of the property is. Like yeah. is it as, as it currently is, or do you see opportunity that maybe other people miss or, or don't realize that there's a potential there? And so taking Correct. a six unit and turn it into an 18 unit, for example, is a great way to make it a, a work out where you can maybe offer a little bit more than what the other buyers are, but it makes yeah. sense at the same
1: time. Yeah, exactly. It's probably why a lot of people passed up this this deal. They they didn't have the uh, the vision of what could be possible on this site because it turned out that this location was a was a a site that was open to development in an area of town that hasn't had development for for years. I mean, it's it's a, it's a historic part of town. I mean, if not decades, uh, they haven't done any development in this area. It's a very affluent part of town uh, and no one really spent the effort of thinking about it from a development standpoint, as opposed to simple, you know, value add gut rehab deal. Um, it had some major flaws with it. Uh, don't get me wrong. If, if we were going down the rental route, it just, the economics just didn't work out. What we would have to purchase it for wasn't agreeable with the existing owner, uh, who also was a developer who actually understood it from a development standpoint. Um, so that luckily put us in the same uh, in the same playpen. We we're both playing with development ideas, and and at that point things started to gel. Yeah, makes sense. And so as you're looking for
0: these properties in Des Moines and uh, Atlanta and elsewhere, how are you finding uh, potential deals?
1: Um. All right. So I can't be everywhere at once, right? So you know, I'm in Chicago. I'm within a five hour drive of of Des Moines uh one of my partners is a real estate investor actually they're both real estate investors they're both partners uh one's a, one's a general contractor so you know I shop for deals from my relationships with brokers in Des Moines uh they send me opportunities and and I, we vet them we we meet weekly on on potential deals in the Des Moines marketplace um Atlanta I can't be in Atlanta Atlanta's not a, not a drivable from from Chicago. Uh, so I've got uh, one of our partners actually lives in Atlanta and, uh, and he's a financial analyst. So he can do a lot of the underwriting and see the properties up front. Um, and so for those teams, um, uh, let's see, one person in California, I'm in Chicago, one person in Atlanta, one person in New Jersey, right? We're all over the country. Another person from San Francisco. Um, so having local partners, is, is paramount to making these deals work. Um, Columbus, same thing. Uh, I've got a, a friend who, who does property management, um, and they've got a construction uh, uh, company as well. And so obviously, they would be someone i turn to I found uh, uh, deals that were heavier lifts that needed a lot of renovations. And obviously, property management is great to have uh, but that's within my, you know, my range. I, 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 happy to drive to Columbus any day of the week. Um, and so, so yeah. So I try to, I try to, you know, divide and conquer. You know, it's, it's this, this space, this, this work is, is a team sport. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, we all have to be able to wear different hats at different times, depending on our skill sets, our backgrounds, our, um, you know, our superpowers, basically. Yes, indeed. So then how could
0: a a passive investor determine whether or not you and your team are a good match for uh, what they're looking for?
1: Um, Well, you know, with, uh, well, first of all, just, I mean, I don't, you know, when I first approached my friends and family about this property, they didn't understand the legality of how these deals come together. You know, if we're doing a 506B, right? Well, you and I know what a 506B is, right? We, uh, it's kind of a friends and family model. We cannot share those products with the general public. You know, we have to know and have a, a substantive relationship with those people. So if there's anybody out there interested in, uh, in uh, contacting me, you know, we need to have a conversation, a lengthy conversation about your goals. And and why you want to invest in real estate to begin with, to make sure it's a it's a good fit for you. So there's no guarantee that someone's going to call me, and and I'm going to put them on my list for an next deal. It's not going to, it doesn't happen that way. It's it's about a relationship, and and it takes time uh, to make sure that I myself and my team, after our our inter, our interview process, is a good fit for you. But also, are you a good fit for us? Uh, because we just don't let anybody into our properties into our projects. Uh, it has to it has to work for both people, both 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 sides of the fence. Um, so you know we are, uh, I would say, entrenched in Des Moines because one of my partners is a general contractor, and so they build high end uh, homes in the Des Moines marketplace. So if you're looking for someone. Besides my architectural experience and their construction experience, uh, I think we check those boxes pretty well. Another partner is uh, is a, a three decades in Des Moines and is an active real estate investor, owns quite a bit of property and, and uh, um, has a lot of experience working with the city. Um, and in fact, in fact, volunteers to work on city public projects. Uh, so he's pretty well known and is and he's well connected um so it, it, we have friends at high places and we can get the jobs done um so so yeah so you know in terms of you know reviewing us you know uh you know it all starts with a conversation you know our doors are open we're happy to talk to you but there's no guarantee you're going to get on our list <laughs> and there's no guarantee that you know you uh you'll want to work with us because we're looking for a very specific um uh, projects, you know, we're happy to share everything we have with you, but it's not going to happen until that conversation starts. know, yeah. um, and I think I think a lot of people don't understand that process. A lot of people are surprised like, oh my God, you're building 18 condos. You know, why don't you tell us about it? He goes, well, I can't share those deals with you, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that's not public knowledge. You know, this is regulated by the SEC. We're following the rules legally. We cannot share. With anybody, our deals prior to their being obviously uh, after the after the funding is closed, the deal behind me, uh, you can see it, they can't, um, uh, is now closed. We're not accepting any more investors in that deal, and uh, and nor would we if we didn't know you to begin with. Um, so I think that, that part of the education is is really important to the audience. You should understand that you, you just can't call myself or one of my partners and expect to jump on one of our deals. Um, you know, interview us, get to know us, look at our backgrounds and our experience and look at our profiles and our resumes, sure. Um, but, you know, we have to interview you as well and, and understand where you're coming from and if what we're looking for is the best fit for you because we want to make sure that you are satisfied at the end of the game. Uh, Are you willing to wait a couple of years while you don't get a a dime in the mail for a development deal? Yes or no. It's important to you to, to get mailbox money every month. You you get a check in the mail from us. Well then the deals we're looking for have to match that criteria uh, to satisfy your needs from a financial standpoint. Are you willing to wait five years and not get a dime because you'd, you'd rather not have the income. You don't want it because you're going to want to pay taxes on this money you rather wait five years than we sell in five years that's a different real estate profile um and so it has to you know what we're searching for has to match with the needs of our investors that investor pool and and when there's synergies then we can work together but it has to start with a conversation uh if you want to work if you want to talk about my next deal i'm happy to talk about our next deal after we meet each other, (laughs) you know, after we vet each other, um, and, and we're comfortable working with each other. And then I'll, you know, uh, introduce you to the rest of the team. Yep. Makes sense.
0: All right. Are you ready for a speed round?
1: Uh, sure. Sure.
0: Uh, what is your favorite part about passive real estate investing?
1: Uh, you know, I think that, uh, that real estate is is the quickest way imaginable to reach financial freedom. You know, I like the fact that you know, um, you know, you can still um, on, on most deals, you know, expect to outpace the stock market and your four hundred one k, especially in, in in the past couple of years uh, where the stock market's taken a hit. Uh, the real estate market is incredibly resilient. And the fact that there's a lack of, 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 housing available out there, or even affordable housing, um, makes, um, commercial rental properties even more valuable because if you can't buy a house, where are you going to go? You're going to, you're, you know, you, you it's either a rent or a tent, you know, mm-hmm. and most people don't like living in tents. So, um, and a lot of, a lot of projects aren't being built these days. Uh, because the interest rates are so high and so if you can if you can figure out a way to get something built, uh, you can maximize your profits there. If you can't, then people are jumping into the apartment market because there aren't enough supply and stock for you um, to jump into a house uh, or uh, or a newer apartment. Cool. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a, the quickest path to to gain some financial freedom. I agree
0: what do you know now about real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started?
1: (laughs) I wish I, uh, you know, we, we all have these preconceived notions of what it takes to, uh, to jump into these deals. You know, if you asked me three years ago that my first product was going to be to build 18 units, high-end townhomes ground up, uh, I would have had some serious doubt about that about that uh, that endeavor. Um, but you know once I, I I gained some education some knowledge about you know how these deals come together, how they how they pencil, how they become attractive to investors, uh, how the underwriting works, and how it's a team sport, and how you can uh, basically collect the resources of a group of people to take down these properties. It really opened my eyes to, to how quickly it is you can uh, you can get into this space. Uh, having you know you don't have to be an architect. I mean, I've around into plenty of people that aren't architects. They don't have nothing to do with construction whatsoever, but they are actively investing uh, or partnering on these deals day in and day out because they understand um, what it takes to take these things uh, down. Mm-hmm. Um, and education is key. You got to get yourself educated. Uh, you got to take the blinders off. And uh, and understand how this community function, how it operates. And once you realize that, sky's the limit. You know, there's, there's no reason why I couldn't do 180 units or 1,800 units. Um, the math still is, is the same, just you, you, the numbers get bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but structurally, how these deals come together, it's exactly the same. I wish I would have knew that a long time ago. Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I, I agree. It's a mindset thing. You know. Speaking of education, yeah, uh, uh, what's a book that you can recommend to other investors?
1: You know, I like. Um, you know, I value my time. And, and. And again, I mentioned earlier that this is a, a team sport. You got to you got to put the right people in the right seats. You got to find who they are. You got to find people with complementary skills that can work together there's synergy to put these deals together and so uh who not how uh by um uh, uh, dan sullivan is a good book because it's it's all about finding the right people you know i mean we all we all grew up with this mindset that you know the more hours you put into something the the uh the You'll be able to achieve this, this this financial freedom, but you're trading dollars for uh, your time for dollars, and 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 the mindset shift needs to happen that opens the the ability to chase down these deals, uh, finding the right people. You know, you don't ask yourself, you know, how am I going to be able to take down this deal? You find out who is going to help me take down these deals, and you figure out all the different who's you need. And you make them part of your team. Uh, and that book puts a laser focus on that process and how important it is to in, in team building because you really can't do this stuff alone unless you're ultra affluent. Uh, the average Joe can get these, and I consider myself the average Joe because you know, I'm I'm living a middle class lifestyle. And I'm by I'm I am i am i have not reached my financial freedom goal as of yet, but I'm working on it. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, and who not how is a really good. Uh, book to, to help steer you in the right direction and, and, and shift your mindset. Yeah, it's a great
0: book. I highly recommend it as well. Uh, how, can yeah, our get, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to start the conversation with you and, and get to know more about what you have going on with real estate?
1: Well, my door is open uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, f- f- search my name on LinkedIn. Uh, send me a quick uh, a DM, a message. And, and let me know uh, you you heard this conversation on on the show on on Matt Matt's show here and happy to start a dialogue with you um, and happy to answer any questions you have whatsoever um, you know what I cannot do is share obviously what I'm working on but I can if we begin to have a conversation and, and I think it's a good fit for you and I both uh, to talk about real estate and how it could um, help with your financial freedom and your your uh, and your, your future goals. Um, so that's where to start. Find me on LinkedIn and, uh, we'll go from there.
0: And I'll include a, a direct link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet?
1: Uh, I would, I would tell your audience out there who are, you know, working, the you know, working the nine to five, um, hoping, praying that someday their 401k would help them uh, produce this lifestyle (laughs) that they want into retirement. Um, You know, hope is not a plan. Hope is not a strategy. Start planning today. Um, You know, millennials have a great, you know, have this great uh, um, saying or uh, the, the fire community, you know, financial freedom, retire early you know, a lot of people think millennials are lazy. No, they are actually incredibly smart uh, with their time and their money. Uh, They want to be able to go traveling the world today, not when they're retired, not when they're limping along because they're 65, 70 years old at the end of life. No, they want to do it now and they want to enjoy life now. And they want to be able to work hard and, and earn a living, but they're also very financial savvy and they know where to place, um, they're hard-earned dollars, and a lot of them are placing their, their money into real estate, uh, which is something that baby boomers figured out a long time ago, which is why they own 75% of the country's wealth. They've done it for so long, and the vast majority of their uh, wealth is in real estate. The Millennials figured it out, um, and they're working on that today. You know, There is no time limit or age limit of when you can get involved in real estate. You can get involved in real estate today. Um, and 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 it's about finding the right communities online. There's a lot of a lot of places to find it. Obviously, your podcast is great to to learn more about it. Um, but you know, surround yourself with with the right community. I'm happy to, to share a bunch of links to different meetups and real estate meetups that talk about this stuff all the time. But I'm I'm impressed by the number of younger people that are in this space that are smart enough to figure out that they can retire when they're 40 or 35. Mm-hmm or 30 uh, with no problem whatsoever. And we can replace their income and then some and have a, uh, a sustainable future by way of real estate. It's amazing. Absolutely. I wish I would have learned that earlier. Instead <laughs> of, you know, I wish I would have learned both. I mean, I like designing buildings and working on this of design the projects, but I wish I would have understood how these deals come together on the flip side. You know, mm-hmm. you know we don't ask ourselves those questions. We don't, we don't ask where the budgets came from. We just spend the money that are budgeted for our projects. That's what we know. But once you figure out the flip side, it becomes very interesting.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for all that value that you've offered today, John. And you have a great rest of your day.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Nice nice talking to you. We'll see you around, Matt. And good luck with your show.
0: Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.